Thing, um, which is live on air. So um, we will start with item one. Apologies for absence. Uh, Leslie Wells, Julie Redfern are on annual leave. Declarations of interest. Oh, I, sorry, there may be other apologies. Apologies from John Lodge. I'm deputising for okay, him. Fine. Barbara Light. And declarations of interest. Um, as a county councillor, chairman in respect of local council. Okay. Uh, minutes of the last meeting. Were they a true record? Everybody comfortable they were a true record? Okay. Uh, moving on to matters arising. Um, are CA 1, 2, and 3. Four. Five and six, seven and eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, CA fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. There were no matters arising. I've duly signed those in due course. Thank you very much indeed. Um, before we come on to um, item four, I would just like to make a statement uh, that uh, an item on the previous agenda for this Cabinet meeting uh, around the structure um, um, of building control has been withdrawn following further discussion uh, within uh, areas of the Council and at scrutiny, and uh, Councillor Dean may refer to that. Um, so it will not be presented this evening. Uh, the matter will be reconsidered and uh, brought back in some uh, form uh, or part of a broader form in due course. Thank you. Um, item four, questions or statements from non-executive members of the Council. Councillor Hargreaves. Thank you. Councillor Light, could you just turn yours off? Thanks. All my comments relate to the financial matters of the, the outturn and the, and the documents. Um, the issue, I've got four points to raise. One is a significant one, the others are perhaps minor matters that you may wish to consider. Um, Reserves. We've seen them going up year after year. We've seen some of them not being spent. We've got the um, medium-term financial strategy reserve, a million pounds, which seems to be rolling on from year to year. It looks to me like it is there. It's really padding. It's something might, terrible might happen, but anyway. We've got reorganisation reserves, half a million they seem to be carried forward from year to year. So my, my point is we've got more coming in this year, which have obviously gone into the reserve for the um, special purpose vehicle. So we've got a council which is cash rich, which is fine. But meanwhile, I'm seeing uh, anecdotal evidence and minuted evidence of some departments and, and staff who are really not performing that well. So I've got my 
colleague Joe Parry, myself, we're finding um, officers not responding to quite reasonable requests. I've got an example where I wanted a file of information from a department who, whose prime job is to produce this particular piece of information. Three requests before I got any acknowledgement that I even existed. And then when the file was produced, it was clearly not right. Sent it back, it's got its silence. I've got other examples, but that sort of thing. I've got residents complaining about the same, same sort of thing, of asking for reasonable things and getting nothing. And I've got Newport Parish Council also saying the same thing. So it's complaints against quite, quite a wide range of departments. And I'm feeling these sort of... Um, Weak and non-responses are sort of they're wasteful and they, they create more work. Um, I'm coming to a point on the finances. Okay, um, the finance department is minuted and noted as, as having struggling to recruit qualified accountants. I think because the market's got harder, we're not paying enough. It's getting difficult. So we've got a council with lots of cash. But I'm asking whether you should be considering that we should be investing more on the people and the recruitment of the best and training, customer services training. Uh, and my feeling is you need to concentrate on the core activities. Um, we've got, I think, resource going out on this special purpose vehicle doing perhaps, perhaps grand projects. My feeling is that there are things not, not right within how things are going. Um, the chief exec's coming to my ward, I think, next month. I'll give you examples of what we're talking about. My feeling is that you, you want to keep your eye on the ball and not be spending all these reserves on other things while stuff, the core activities are possibly not as good as maybe you, you, you think they are. Um, still with the reserves the government is still running a huge financial deficit every year they're going to be looking to save and if they give the slightest view of our accounts they will see we are hoarders of cash and if I was in the government I'd be thinking ah oh, I'll find some way of taking that from you so there we are that's my main point there don't lose sight of the, of the core activities just because you've got lots of cash. Um, three other points. Interest on UDC deposits in the accounts was shown as averaging a 0.36%. That's on about average of £36 million. Pounds. Uh, I look after some funds for a charity, about £10,000, I actually put money in the very same place as UDC put some of its money. My cash, perfectly secure, I can take it in or out any day I like, no restriction. I get 0.55% across the year. I'm getting a better deal as an amateur than UDC is as a professional with much more funds. Now, I know Councillor Howells said at a previous meeting that is being sorted out, but I'd be interested to know whether we are now getting a better return than we were um, in last, last year. Um, next point, new homes bonus. 
it looks of accounts that we underspent, or councillors underspent, by £42,000, which means, implies that, that that's the equivalent of 14 councillors not spending any of their new homes bonus at all, which rather amazes me. I have no difficulty spending it at all. Um, that has been, I think, rolled over, and they can, they can continue spending it, even though they didn't spend it. Can I suggest that maybe a harsher regime is needed? And if you can't spend that money, that it should be cut, and the money cash put back into the pot and given to all the 39, pro rata out to all the 39 wards, so that those of us who are able to spend it will have an opportunity to spend it, rather than it going back to the people who didn't spend it. Final point, um, the um, spend for voluntary uh, activities, the charity spend of the, the council, that was underspent as well. And I saw in the, in the minutes that it is being reviewed, but it looked to me like it was just the process was being reviewed rather than what it can be spent on. Now, Elsenham had a um, landfill site which was closed. That was a major provider of funding across, I think it's a 10-mile radius. And it funded things which the UDC scheme does not fund. That's gone. The UDC scheme hasn't filled the gap. And I look at the emails that come in and I think, no, I'm not going to meet those requirements. So can I ask that, as well as reviewing the process, that we also have some sort of consultation on perhaps widening out what this cash can be spent on so that we actually spend the cash that is available. Okay, thank you. Um, as far as your substantive point, it was in three parts. Uh, the size of our reserves, um, basically uh, attracting the right staff at the right salary, and uh, your third point was around service. So, um, Councillor Howell will no doubt pick this up, uh, some of these points up under item eight. But just uh, if I just talk in general terms for now, um, I'll start with the third point first. I mean, you and I and the Chief Executive would absolutely agree with you, uh, as would any professionally run organisation, that good service, and good service in includes responding to inquiries promptly, uh, is a prerequisite. And I'm quite sure that either the uh, directors, Mr. Harborough, Mr. Webb, or the chief executive, if these instances uh, of um, non-response were pointed out, would be dealt with. And if I get to hear about them, they will most definitely be dealt with. But I'm not saying that the officers wouldn't have dealt with them already. Because for me, customer service is pretty much up there at the top of the agenda. So point taken. Uh, we need to be specific. We need to understand exactly where. But customer service is extremely important. We all absolutely subscribe to that. As far as your second point, uh, in reverse order, um, whether we're paying the correct premium for certain uh, categories of work within the council, particularly the, some of the specialised categories, uh, the Chief Executive has already um, announced that she is reviewing that. It's not something you do instantly. It's got to be done quite carefully. And it could have an impact on our budget. So, but you're an accountant, you know better than I that there's a big difference between your capital budget and your revenue budget. So, uh, uh, you know, mixing up, uh, obviously, pay rates with uh, reserves is, um, 
you know, they are, they are two, two, two different arenas. But that is underway. We, we, we recognise that. And obviously, Mr. Webb may want to add, but uh, we, we recognise that accountancy is one of those areas. Um, as far as the reserves are concerned, we've got a very clear strategy on that. Uh, and, and you're quite right that the government will be looking hungrily at um, unspent reserves. But we are setting, we've set up a spire. A spire is underway. Um, and a spire has got projects in mind. And a spire will use those for the benefit of the community of Uttlesford in terms of generating income on worthwhile projects anyway. So we haven't got money just sitting around with no idea what to do about it. And, and indeed, we'll be using it on community projects. This council has talked about the potential of sports facilities at Wimbish. It's talked about the um, community centre in Saffron Walden and, and many other things. So um, take the point, but I, I, certainly um, one of them... Let's continue to make sure that our service is the standard it should be. Salaries is under review and reserves. Uh, Councillor Howell may say more, but we, we do have a very clear strategy about that. As far as the investment, I'll let others respond to that. I take your point that uh, if you're sitting on substantial cash, you would hope to do the best. What I can say at a top level is that we did slightly in cabinet re relax. We, we, we've had our fingers burnt, you've got to understand, because of Iceland. The, the, Bank of Iceland. So we are, and it's quite right, this is public money. This is not our, you know, you might take a punt with your own money, you can't do it with public money. But we did marginally relax that in terms of um, the risk. It didn't become risky, but, but we, we, we raised the potential to, for our investment. Councillor Howell may want to say more about that. But obviously we want to get the best we can for the general public. Um, New Homes Bonus, it's surprising to hear from your party to introduce a tougher regime, but I have some sympathy with what you're saying. Um, as it happens, and I think we've indicated this in the past, that as part of the future look of um, what we can afford, we need to look very critically at whether we can afford £3,000 a person per year and the answer is probably not um, and um, we've already I think tightened up others may be able to comment on this I think we've already uh, tightened up going forward uh, when that money's got to be spent by and, and, and a greater degree of transparency about it so we're not a million miles away from you on that one as far as the voluntary sector is concerned uh, I am going to introduce a paper uh, this evening uh, about that um, we are by far and away the most generous council in Essex towards the voluntary sector um, as you've probably seen from the Cabinet papers. I'm sure there are worthy causes out there that we may not support. It's a, it's a fair point, but uh, we do look critically um, at how we spend the money and make sure that on a rolling programme we are looking we are supporting the ones that make the biggest difference to the community of Uttlesford. Um, but there may be others, and, and we've got a review coming up this September to make sure that we are hitting the right ones. I think that broadly answers the point. Unless, I, I, I won't ask Councillor Howell to make any points now because he'll have his opportunity under item 8, but unless uh, Mr Webb wanted to say anything at this stage. So thank you for your points. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, if there are no other uh, questions or statements from non-executive members, uh, item five is matters referred to the executive. I don't think there were any. No. P reports from performance and audit. Uh, Councillor Oliver is also on holiday. Uh, and scrutiny committees. Councillor Dean, I imagine, would want to say a few words. Yes, Chairman, I have uh, three points that I'd like to raise from the, the meeting that uh, took place on the 5th of July. I've, the first one I'm going to deal with, you, you've made reference to it, is about uh, building control, and, and I've written some notes which I will pass to the clerk so that she has a, a record of this. 
And then I'll also make reference to LCTS and the, the grants paper that you have later. At the um, meeting of the scrutiny committee on the July 5th, it was resolved that the committee recommends to cabinet that the council does not proceed with the building control partnership as then being considered. The committee received an officer paper proposing a building control service partnership between Uddlesford and several other councils in Essex. This followed consideration of a draft paper at its meeting in March at which significant concerns had then been raised. At the July 5th meeting, members' previous concerns had not been allayed. In fact, at least one member who had supported the idea in March was now against. The, the hardened opposition led to a unanimous vote to recommend that Huddlesford should not proceed. So whilst the Cabinet does not have a proposal before it tonight, I will describe the main points without going into specific detail that were put forward for opposing the proposal and against which no one demurred when I invited alternative opinions. It was felt that... Don't, don't, don't forget it was a part two item. Yeah, no, I'm aware of that. It was felt that building control was the wrong place to start a series of partnership working schemes, if that is the intention, given that Huddlesford is a well-performing service, yet other intended partners do not. Why would we, and this is the question, why would we want to put a successful service at risk in this way? That was the feeling of the meeting. There was concern at the imbalance in the quality of service and performance across the proposed membership of the partnership. It was noted that the Uttlesford team provided great quality of service and has a high share of the current market, thus making it virtually impossible for the Uttlesford team to gain much additional local market share or increase revenue from this district working from within a partnership. The procurement exercise had only been open to one bidder. Uh, the, the committee questioned whether Uttlesford could have bid itself to run a building control partnership given that it already runs an exemplar service. There was concern at the attrition rate of councils from the partnership and concern about increasing costs for Uttlesford if other authorities left. There was scepticism and, and some discomfort over claims in the report that the resilience of the team, given the actual average age of team members, and that this factor may have been exaggerated. We understand that the age profile of building control staff at Huddlesford is lower than at other authorities and that in recent times there has been no local staff resourcing difficulties. One potential increase in staffing of building control to enhance the resilience of the internal services illustrated in the report was considered to be gold plating, i.e. It, <coughs> it contained staff increases that members felt would be unnecessary. The effect was that the report made an unfair financial comparison between the partnership and an enhanced internal team, and that could be viewed as misleading as a misleading distortion for the purposes of making fair financial comparisons. The removal of this team from the Council's workforce would on its own not reduce associated back office costs across the organisation. This, this would increase costs to remaining services within Uddersford District Council and so create financial pressures on other service teams. 
uh, three more points, a more strategic approach to partnerships rather than a piecemeal approach might be, a better, might be better received by scrutiny members. One final concern expressed by scrutiny members and other members of the Council was that officers had been instructed not to speak to members outside the scrutiny committee and had been denied information that they had requested. So from this incident, which had ir irritated members, has come the suggestion that ways of working within UDC and communications channels between officers and members is something to which scrutiny members might devote some time in future to investigate. And so, Mr Chairman, taken as a whole, the scrutiny committee considered that arguments in favour of joining this partnership were far outweighed by reasons not to join it and alternatives that are available to equip the internal service for the future should be looked at. It was said that there is no need to fix a service which isn't broken. I hope that this feedback can be found to be useful in planning the way forward. Personally, I hope the Council will always put quality of service to the public first, and that's been mentioned already this evening, when considered whether there are better ways of service delivery to the public and whether there are acceptable ways of reducing financial costs. So I'll, I'll pass a copy of that over and then you know, it may be something that in due course we want to talk about in more detail, but obviously not tonight. Very briefly... Well, I'll, I'll just make uh, three comments. Okay, because it's, yeah. it's, it's a bit like Brexit. There's no point in having the debate all over again. But uh, th three points, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, not particular to... to well, one point to that service, uh, which is that nobody has ever said that the building control isn't a first-class service. Um, we, we all, we're, we're, we're all unanimous on that. Uh, but you'll also be aware, um, if you've been involved in any partnership or um, well, partnership working rather than outsourcing probably, um, that you don't partner a dysfunctional service uh, because you can't solve the problems of a poor service by giving it to somebody else to sort out. Um, so you only actually partner good services. So there, there's nothing dysfunctional about having a good service and wanting to partner it. Uh, and that quite possibly will come back to the table in the future. Um, and, and the other point, you talked about the beginning of a partnership arrangement. This council has got a significant number of partnerships already that it's involved in, so it's part of a part of a story. But the rest of it, as I say, I'm not going to comment because uh, um, the the administration got a steer from its group uh, on this project, and uh, which is why we've withdrawn the paper. But as I say, uh, we will need to consider because um, I'm sure Councillor Howell will touch upon it that. Um, in two years' time and beyond, our financial position becomes very much more challenging, and that's before anything further that might happen from the new administration uh, and the new financial environment that this country is facing. So um, we're going to have to do something. Um, the status quo is, is not an option. Uh, but obviously we'll, we'll do that in a, in a dignified and a coordinated way and, and, and as you, as you hint, to take the Council through that in the appropriate channels. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'll very briefly cover two other points that were considered at the recent meeting. The first one is LCTS, which we'll be looking at later. I'm, I'm sorry, but I have to leave the meeting early, so I can't stay for that part of the agenda. Um, we, for the second time, looked at the local Council tax um, support 
scheme, which is the uh, scheme whereby um, people on benefits normally pay a proportion of, of their council tax. Um, we, the, the committee was uh, content for this year at least to that the, that the council continue with the scheme as it stands. In other words, a 12.5% uh, contribution could be frozen for a third consecutive year. That's part of the resolution that we uh, agreed. Equally, we uh, support the proposal to that, parish council, that the current subsidy to parish councils should be reduced by 50% during the next financial year. And I know at the meeting, Councillor Howell thought that it was likely uh, to re remove the remaining 50% in the following year, but that's not part of the consultation for next year. So that'll, we'll come back to that. Um, but there was concern, um, well, there were two things. One is that we, we, we did discuss whether officers could take a, a more fundamental look at the scheme before we get round to next year, and I won't go into any detail on, on that now. And I know that uh, Mr. Webb and colleagues talked to colleagues across Essex about that, and I think it might, it's my personal opinion that uh, it, it's time to almost go back to basics on it. But the, the, the key point that, um, that, that was raised were the paragraphs uh, 20, six, 25, 26 and 27. I think they're the same numbers in the report that you have tonight. Um, and, and these were about aligning the local council tax support scheme with uh, universal credit with the national schemes and related to family, family premium um, uh, family premium matters to do with absence from the country and, and, and numbers of children that qualified putting a cap of two children. There were, there were several points there. We didn't have enough information at scrutiny to try and get our head around it uh, and we asked that the cabinet is provided with more information about that before it makes its decision on how to deal with it tonight. And, and I think, in a way, um, I've, I've been listening to what's been going on over the last, um, last couple of days, and I know the, um, the new Prime Minister yesterday was making, made a statement about um, uh, it, it, that, that the, the new government uh, will not just be I think we heard considering it. the interests we of, yep. of the privileged people yep. and also that when it, come, she said, when it comes to taxes we will prioritise not the wealthy but you and by you she means the, the, the less wealthy so I think there's a, there's a sort of national context for looking at, at this proposed change to see whether you really do want to um, take more money away from the less privileged by aligning uh, this, this local scheme with the national scheme so I'll, I'll leave that at that and very, very briefly, the other item that we <coughs> looked at was the report that you have about grants. Uh, the committee welcomed the review that is taking place or is going to be taking place. We, we as a committee, as a scrutiny committee, would like to keep track of that work as it, as it progresses. 
And, you know, we noted one or two things. One, for instance, that um, there's an, a very clear anomaly between grants that are currently given to sports organisations where there's a, a ceiling of £500 <coughs> and yet community projects which exclude sport can go up to £3,500. So that, that does seem uh, an anomaly that no doubt will be looked at. And there were other points. There was support given to having a a two-year rolling program rather than the current three-year program. So overall, we, we, you know, we welcome the review and uh, would like to see keep track of it as it, as it progresses. So with those three items, Mr Chairman, that's all I have to say from um, scrutiny. Right, thanks very much. I'm sure um, Councillor Howell will be picking up your comments uh, when he talks about uh, on item nine um, on the local council tax support scheme, and I'll pick up the point about sport under grants. Any other queries at this stage? Thank you very much for those reports. Um, the next item is item seven, which is uh, an update on uh, refugees. And um, uh, as you're probably aware, Essex expects um, between 20 and 25 families um, to settle here over the course of this financial year. Um, to date, um, four families arrived, all in Colchester. The first family for Uttlesford is expected in September 2016 this year, um, and planning is underway uh, so that uh, confirmation can be given to the government uh, by the middle of this month that arrangements are in place. Um, the current assumption is for a minimum of three families across West Essex, um, so in addition to somewhere in Uttlesford uh, uh, and others being identified in Epping Forest as well. Essex County Council has commissioned Migrant Help to support families arriving in September. Um, Migrant Help are similar to the body that uh, um, settled uh, the Colchester refugees, a company called Fresh Beginnings. So. Um, they will uh, be doing that work. Um, uh, beyond that, of course, uh, Essex are dependent on government. Um, um, uh, 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 and again, things may change with the new government uh, to find out expected dates of future arrivals. Um, the the um, refugees in Colchester uh, went well, deliberately not too much press uh, coverage because it's important that there's a degree of anonymity and uh, that people are able to settle without fuss and bother but there has been no problem with schools um, children are being offered language support as are adults via adult community learning so that is the update happy to take questions if I can um, but otherwise uh, we will move on and I know our housing department has uh, got uh, somewhere in, in, in mind we had somewhere we had to release it but we've got somewhere again I believe Good. Okay. Um, the next item is item eight, the financial out, out 2015-16 outturn. Councillor Howell. Thank you, Leader. Um, the recommendation is for Cabinet to approve the 2015-16 outturn position, as set out in the report, to approve the reserve transfers and the reserve balances, also as set out in the report, and to approve the capital programme uh, slippage requests. Um, I need to... Uh, identified the fact that the, the contents of this report 
um, accords with the statutory, uh, with the draft 2015-16 statement of accounts. They're consistent with that document. That was signed by the Director of Finance and Corporate Services on the 9th of June and is going to performance and audit on the 28th of July. But I do need to flag that some of the numbers are all subject to external audit and therefore there is the possibility that some of these numbers may change in the final statement of accounts. The document is a very, very detailed report of the final quarter's performance and the performance in the full year. And I need to caveat that, this by saying we are a very complex organisation with multiple different income streams. Um, budgeting is not an exact science. And invariably, as a year progresses, there are variances that grow up within an organisation. We regularly bring back updates to the Cabinet. Um, and so Cabinet and councillors will be aware of the emerging theme that has been developing during the course of the year, which is in certain areas we have had some significant variances in areas that are outside of the Council's control. And picking up on a point the Councillor Dean has made, so I'm sorry that he's not here, I do try to listen to what he says at these meetings. We've also identified in, in item 11 those variances which are within the Council's control. So um, I won't go through any of these variances in detail because I've assumed that, that, that councillors will have read the contents, but there are some fairly significant variances outside of the Council's control and those areas which are within the Council's control, while there are a number that are fairly substantial, um, they are for the most part um, items that we have sought to budget effectively, but Councillor Hargreaves is entirely right. He identified the new homes bonus, for example, of £42,000, which was an un unspent amount which ward members chose during the course of 2015-16 not to spend and it disappoints me that councillors have not done that. I also recognise that we have taken account of this and sought to be able to allow people to transfer funds over um, un un unspent funds, or at least 50% of their unspent amount. This is money that we should be spending, and you're absolutely right to point out that some councillors have not spent it. Um, I'm happy to deal in details with any of the overspends or underspends, what I would say is that the net position is that we underspent, and thank goodness we did, because by and large, if I'm going to budget, I'd much rather be coming to this meeting and tell you that we underspent, and we're going to be able to transfer money to reserves, um, than we turn around and overspent, and I'm having to dip into my reserves. Despite the points that Councillor Hargreaves made, I will deal with the reserves shortly. They are there for a purpose, and I want them to be used for projects that benefit our community, not to fill a hole because we didn't budget effectively. Um, the variances in movement but since period nine, the third quarter, are set out in, in number 12 on the papers on page 25. And then we turn to reserves. Reserves are a tricky issue. Um, there is no doubt that it is not an exact science and people have different philosophical approaches to reserves. I confess I was probably more traumatised when I first became a councillor nine years ago when we had no reserves. Uh, and as a consequence, I, like many councillors, were quite pleased to see us building up reserves. 
What I also need to emphasise is that our reserves fall into two broad buckets. One is ring-fenced reserves that we cannot touch. They are set aside for a specific purpose. They either have a statutory duty or they are something that is not effectively our money. So when you look at the, the, the whole total, you need to remind yourself there is an element that is ring-fenced. There are, however, a usable reserves element. Councillor Hargreaves identified two in particular, the medium-term financial reserve and the transformation reserve. They are both fairly significant amounts of money, £1 million and £960,000. They are there for a purpose. The leader has identified the fact that we can clearly forecast and predict that in two years' time, this council will suffer a significant shortfall in its income against its expenditure and the medium-term financial strategy reserve and the transformation reserve are expressly designed to help us to accommodate that transition. There will have to be a transition. It will not be an easy process, but we as an administration are determined to do it properly and we have reserves expressly for that purpose. In the meantime, we have identified a significant reserve called the Strategic Initiative Fund. We've been able to fund a number of important community resources with this money. But the administration is very aware that we need to do things differently as an organisation. We cannot rely on council tax or government funding for our income. And we have to look to ways to increase our own income effectively setting our own budgets and funding our own services. And it's for that purpose that we have been putting money into the Strategic Initiative Fund. Some, I hope, and I hope very much the largest part of that, will be put into our um, special purpose company, Aspire, so we can start to generate income. There is a purpose for that money. Um, I, I, I don't really like the phrase that we are um, hoarding cash, we are not hoarding cash. We are identifying a purpose and we will be spending money. I don't believe that we should hold reserves for no purpose. And I am comfortable, and the Cabinet has always been comfortable, and I hope all councillors are comfortable, that those ring fence reserves we have are there for a purpose. The usable reserves for our financial management are there for a purpose and will be needed within the next two years. And our special reserves many of which are very important things such as homelessness and the like, have a purpose and the final element for our strategic initiatives will be used for a purpose. So that deals with, with the reserves and I hope addresses the point that, that Councillor Hager has made. Um, the, turning to page 27, the housing revenue account sets out the details. Um, 2015-16 was the fourth year uh, of the new Housing Revenue Account business plan. Um, there's an outturn surplus in the year of 1.5 million. Um, and, um, sorry, I try not to do this from notes, but I think I probably do need to refer to notes on this. Um, and in, in um, I beg your pardon, uh, and in 17, we identified the principal variances of 1.5 million. Um, it's proposed that the surplus of 1.5 million be earmarked for capital projects 
and these, these have been included in the reserve balance which subject to Cabinet's approval tonight and are set out in the table under 18 on page 29. Um, we've spoken in the past about the capital programme uh, involved in the housing revenue account. It is an impressive list of investments across our housing stock. We maintain and look after the, um, the housing stock that we're responsible for, I believe, uh, very well, and we continue to invest in a number of really exciting projects. I'm only sorry that Councillor Redfern's not here um, to, to, to speak in more detail to that point. But we do have Councillor Felton who's going to do that later. I do apologise, Marie. <laughs> you can speak in the meantime if you wish to. And then moving on to Treasury management, which was another point um, made by Councillor Hargreaves. Um, and I think the leader has expressed... Uh, I, I, can't, I can't remember whether you were at the meeting, Councillor Hargreaves, when this was discussed or not, but I certainly remember Councillor Lodge was, and he endorsed the strategy which we were adopting. As the leader has indicated, we do look to improve the return that we get from our deposits. And if you return to the, um, the details of our Treasury management as set out in Appendix E on pages 43 to 45, um, you're quite right. There are significant uh, deposits, some of which are very for, short, for very short term, um, some of for fairly insignificant amounts of money in the context of what we look after, and some of them are for lower rates of interest than, 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 than you have, have indicated should be our target. And others are of a higher um, rate of interest. The blended effect is a rate of interest of 0.36%, and that was during the course of 15-16. I'm hoping that the next report that comes to Council will demonstrate that the policy that we put in place midway through the year has improved on that interest rate. I'm hoping that's the case, and I wait for the report. Um, but in the meantime, um, if there are any comments from, from officers, that would be helpful to support that. So in broad terms, that's the, the outturn for the final um, quarter of the year and for the full year. Um, I move the three recommendations. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Any uh, comments from the... Either myself or Councillor Barker. You're very welcome to comment, Councillor Felton, if you wish, but you obviously don't have a vote. But um, Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I'd just like to ask a question here about the implications um, and the consequences of the financial forecasting for the next few years if there has been uh, the difference between the budget and, uh, and the outturn. Well, I preface my comments by saying that budgeting is not an exact science. But what I have observed in the eight years that I've been a councillor is that our budgeting has got significantly better. It was certainly a great deal better than eight years ago where we didn't appear to be able to budget effectively and, and run the finances of this council. In the course of the last eight years, it has significantly improved. I think that it will help inform the budgeting process that's just about to kick off. Um, I think that um, items here that are within our control will get greater scrutiny, and I would expect Mr. Webb to be challenging officers and being able to identify whether the items we have listed here are, for example, under public health, genuinely are going to be spent in the way they are, and if they are not appropriate, they should not be in the budget. But I take comfort from the fact that those variances which are within the Council's control are for the most part 
from 50 to 100,000 pounds, many of these budgets are very, very many times greater than that. So we are talking about very fairly and significant variances over a 12-month period. But no officer, I believe, in the finance department is complacent about budgeting. Good. Well, thank you very much indeed. So uh, the recommendation has been read to you. It's uh, item four on your paper, 19 for those of you who have page 19 for those of you who have hard copy. Those in favour of the recommendation? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. So, moving on to item 9, which is the local council tax support scheme, also Councillor Howell. Uh, thank you, Leader. Um, I have been to both scrutiny meetings where the local council tax support scheme has been debated and discussed. Um, I've appreciated the opportunity to listen to the debates that, take, that have taken place. Um, they've been good discussions, and I think they have helped inform the strategy that we have brought back. I recognise that it is never possible to get agreement on every subject, but I hope on a subject as important as local council tax support, we can go uh, as far as we can uh, to get support across the whole council for this project. I think we have lots of aspects to our approach to local council tax support, which is commendable, and I think all councillors can be proud of. Um, the important thing to recognise is that we have a responsibility to consult on this every year. And after doing this, I think, for four years now, I, I think I may be becoming a bit of an expert on local council tax support. Nevertheless, I found myself asking questions for the first time this evening. So I recognise it is a very deep pond that we are working on here. Um, there's, there's an awful lot of detail to this. The important thing is that the, the recommendations are that we consult on the scheme and we set the 17-18 the scheme on the same basis as the 16-17 scheme. Um, effectively, it is frozen as a contribution rate from working age participants or recipients rather for the third consecutive year. The principal variance from previous years is that prior to now we've always adopted a discretionary subsidy grant for town and parish councils and we intend to reduce that to 50% in 1718. There is a proposal to align uh, the uh, local council tax support scheme with the housing benefit and universal credit reforms. And I'll speak in detail to that because as Councillor Dean identified, this was a matter of some subject or some discussion at the scrutiny meeting. Um, uh, and I think that covers it. I can't quite remember why B and C are repeated, but anyway, let's not worry with that too much. Um, we need to remind ourselves of certain basic principles that we have always adopted. Pensioners on low income are protected. Disabled people, carers, blind people on low income similarly receive a discretionary protection from any adverse changes. Um, we've set the local council um, tax uh, subsedy at 12.5%. Uh, we discount 25% per week of any earned income. We disregard housing, sorry, child benefits and child maintenance, and we also have a hardship policy in place. Um, so these are all important elements that we need to bear in mind when we consider this. This is de dealing directly with working age recipients. Um, we also need to compare ourselves, I think, to the contribution rates that are charged across the rest of Essex. 
And I make this point every time because I think it is noteworthy every time that we do by far have by far the lowest contribution rate that we ask for recipients uh, to contribute. At 12.5%, we as a council ask our neighbours to make a gesture and fund effectively on behalf of the recipients in a way that other councils do not look to their, to their, to their communities to do. Um, the numbers of recipients uh, as set out in, in, in item 9, we need to remind ourselves, is effectively a flash. This is at, certain, at a one single point in time. When this was taken, there were 920 recipients. The number of working age claimants has reduced very significantly over the lifetime since 2012-13 from about 1,300 to 920, and the expectation is that it's going to fall further in the forthcoming year. We need also to remind ourselves that this effectively has a significant cost not only to Uttlesford District Council but to the other preceptors who forego income as a consequence of our decision to set it at 12.5%. So Essex County Council, the fire service and the police service go without income as a consequence of the decisions that we take as a council. And to date, they have not objected to that, but we need to be aware that they have as much interest as everyone else in this decision. Nevertheless, it comes at a significant cost to us as a council. This year, for 17-18, it's likely to cost us a forecast amount of £340,000. Um, an increase of 2.5% um, would raise a potential £32,000, £31,770, of which £5,000 would come to Uttlesford District Council. As set out on 16, that would be the equivalent of a 75p per week increase or £39 a year. That's to give you some context of what a 2.5% increase uh, would involve. We are not proposing that. We are proposing that it is frozen for a further year. Um, the principal variance, however, is the funding for town and parish councils. Um, there is a list of how other, other local authorities address this issue, set out on 20, uh, on page 51. Um, and it is worth noting that those councils that look a bit like us and have parishes and town councils appear to decrease their grant in line with the uh, revenue support grant funding, which I need to point out is fast disappearing and by next year will be at zero. We have chosen not to do that to date, um, but I think we recognise that that is an untenable situation going forward. Um, the total amount that we effectively cross-subsidise parish and town councils is £154,000. So were we to reduce it by 50% in 1718, that would effectively require town and parish councils to find a total of £77,152. I think it's important that we flag the consultation now and identify our intention so it allows parish and town councils to prepare their budgets for this. It has a different impact on different communities. Um, in my own patch, um, Bradwinter, for example, would have to increase its precept by £653, whereas I recognise Saffron Walden Town Council would face a, uh, a requirement to increase its precept by £28,000 to meet this shortfall. 
It is something they will need to budget for, but I believe it is prudent and the right thing to do. I need to deal in some detail with the proposal to align with housing benefits and universal credit reforms. It is not clear that all of these reforms will take place. Some are already planned, are in the pipeline. Three of the remaining reforms are likely to be implemented, but as you rightly identified, there's some uncertainty about some of those elements. We also need to remind ourselves that the numbers of people affected by this are very, very small. Um, I've already identified under 22, sorry, I beg your pardon, under 9, that there are 920 uh, recipients at any one time. It's important to put that in context. During the year, there is considerable churn. It is not the case that people are recipients on the 1st of January and remain recipients on the 31st of December. About 50%, at least 50% by our estimates, will change during the course of the year. There are a, a I don't, want to, don't quite know what the phrase to use is, there are a number of people who will remain for the full 12 months, but many people come in and out of local council tax support, housing benefit and universal credit during the course of a year. We need to remind ourselves the welfare state was set up to look after those people who have a period of bad luck. We as a society have deemed it appropriate and right, and and I'm absolutely in support of that, that it acts as a safety net, but it is not a lifestyle choice. And as a consequence, there are certain changes being proposed for housing benefit and universal credit. Some of these measures look to me to be eminently sensible. One of the proposals is that you cannot um, be absent from the United Kingdom for, 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 for a period of greater than four weeks and still be in receipt of council tax support. Previously, you could be absent from the UK for 13 weeks. Um, it seems to me in probably quite reasonable a period of time of such as 13 weeks does not seem the right amount of time. Changing it to four weeks seems frankly quite reasonable. The removal of the severe disability premium um, affects nobody. Um, the reduction in the backdating of claims from six months to one month affects eight people. The removal of the element of the work-related work activity component in the calculation is expected to have a nil impact. There's an awful lot of detail behind this, and I've asked officers to write to members of the scrutiny committee to set out the detail behind this. Um, I, I recognise we as a, as a council need to be comfortable with these decisions, but, but my initial understanding is that it affects relatively small numbers of people, the amounts are relatively small, and some of these reforms appear to me to be logical and sensible. Moreover, I think it is beneficial for us to align local council tax support with housing benefits and universal credit reform, not only for the ease of the recipient, so they understand what they're getting, but for the sheer complexity of administering administering these schemes, having variations against each of those, to my mind, is not the right approach. And so for that reason, I've put forward a proposal, which we will be consulting on, that we align local council tax support with housing benefits and the universal credit reforms. 
The consultation documents will go out uh, on the 1st of August. Uh, there's a very significant um, process involved. Um, I've been massively encouraged by the engagement that we had in last year's consultation. I don't think we've ever had a consultation like it with over 1,200 people participating and giving their comments. I hope we get the same kind of response to ensure that we do. We will be including it uh, in the Uttlesford Life um, magazine. Good. I thought we were. Um, and I hope that we will get a similar level of, 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 of feedback. Um, 30 is a very helpful uh, summary of the net position for Uttlesford and for the other precepting um, authorities and there is a full uh, timetable set out on page 55 with details of when this will come back to scrutiny to cabinet and then for full council for approval so I move the recommendation um, which is in front of you on page 48 47 thank you very much indeed for that very comprehensive um, presentation um, comments councillor light then councillor barker Yes, thank you. Um, I'm pleased to note that you have already uh, um, requested that the officers put some detail on the um, proposals there or under number 2627, the um, further reforms, because we were concerned in scrutiny about the impact and I remain concerned here um, representing uh, the residents here in the town. A further concern I have, of course, as a Saffron Walden um, councillor would be the halving of the precept which will impact. And my final concern would be on the impact on people who are struggling and cannot pay and would welcome having those few extra pounds in their pockets. And given that uh, UDC has uh, significant funds at the moment, I would like to see that um, there is greater support for people on benefits they are not asked to pay this year. Thank you. Um, thank you, Councillor Light. Um, we will, as I say, be definitely writing to scrutiny and to Cabinet with the full details. Um, and there is a little bit of work still to be done on, on, on identifying that information. Um, I think it is important that we recognise the parish and town councils have received a subsidy at the discretion of Uttlesford District Council. We have chosen over five years to do this. We did not have a requirement to do this. We are not rushing this either. We are giving people full, the full benefit of the summer and the budgeting process so they can make the appropriate adjustments to their, to their funding going forward. We are not doing it in one go. We are phasing it at 50% in year one and no decision has been taken about future years, although I do have my own opinions on the subject and I emphasise no decision has been taken on the forthcoming year after 17-18. We have a hardship fund um, which is set as uh, put in place specifically for those people who do face hardship. When we set this up originally, we anticipated a collection rate of 75%. In the event, collection rates have been in the region of 95%. Um, and we have to recognise, and I do recognise, it is a burden on recipients that they, many of them I'm sure, would much rather not have. 
but nevertheless we do have a very substantial collection rate, not significantly different from the collection rates that we have in, across the whole of our, our council tax community. But we have a hardship fund in place to address those who have particular need of it. The other thing I need to emphasise is that this works as a cliff face. You can have £15,001 of capital and be entitled to nothing and have to make a full contribution to your council tax. You can have 14999 of capital and you get your 12.5%. So we, we need to recognise there is no exact way of, of, of managing this. There are, in my own experience, some people who pay full council tax who I know their circumstances are really straightened but they are not entitled to any benefits or they're too proud to claim any benefits. So we need to recognise that we are doing our bit on behalf of the wider community for the whole community's benefit, seeking to put in place something which we believe is fair and just, but recognising that the burden falls on everyone as a consequence. Councillor Barker. I would correct Councillor Howell. <coughs> You don't get your 12.5%, you get your 87.5% discount. Um, two things I'd like to say. I, I have no problems with paragraph 26 and 27. They seem to lay out quite clearly the, the rules that are being proposed about universal credit, um, but if scrutiny felt they needed more clarification, I think it's totally right to align all benefits with the same set of rules. Um, Simpler for the officers, but far simpler for people who are claiming that they know that everything is based on the same basis. And the other thing I'd just like to ask, in case you know or the officers know, um, do we know what uptake there was on the hardship fund in the past year? I'm absolutely convinced that I read this this afternoon at three o'clock, but I can't remember where I read it. Um, Angela to the rescue. Um, I don't know exactly, but I think it was in the region of £9,000, so, so we did have an underspend on that. It wasn't fully, fully utilised. Okay, thank you. If there are no other questions, thank you. Um, I won't uh, read out again, um, again, paragraph 4, this time on page 47 of your uh, hard copy papers. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you. Item 10, council tax write-off recovered. Um, a very short paper. Um, there is a proposal for the uh, write-off of a debt of £7,655.07. Uh, the details uh, relating to an individual voluntary arrangement are set out in the paper. Um, I move that recommendation. Councillor Barker. That's better. Um, I don't understand why the title of this is Council Tax Write-Off Recovered, and I don't understand what paragraph 6 means, which is if the IVA succeeds, it's expected we should receive full recovery of monies within six years. Uh, I didn't write the title, but it does strike me that it ought to write, read Council Tax Write-Off. Um, however, I'm sure you'll forgive officers for that. My, I'm not an expert on individual voluntary arrangements or uh, yes, agreements, rather. But my understanding is that you, by and large, don't walk away from your debts. You just restructure them, uh, and you 
have it on a more um, structured, affordable basis, so it will be recovered over a period of time. Nevertheless, we wouldn't want a debt of this nature on our balance sheet for the lifetime of its recovery. But if I've got that completely wrong, then Andrew is going to correct. No, normal practice is if, if somebody goes into this position, we, we would write it out of the accounts and put it through the um, income and expenditure account. And then we don't know where we are on the IVA schedule. And if it doesn't succeed, then we, we may not recover it. So rather than put it into the bad debt provision and have increased percentage, we just write it off. And then if we're lucky enough when we get the money back, then we'll just credit the revenue account with that as and when it arrives. I suppose the only question in that is, having written it off, is the process of recovery still as vigorous? It is, I'm being assured. Okay, um, item uh, 7 on this paper, the recommendation to approve the write-off of debt of £7,655.07. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Item 11, development site Newton Grove, Newton Green, Great Dumbo. Councillor Felton, welcome to Cabinet. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm standing here representing on behalf of Julie Redfern, and um, it's with great pleasure to um, present Agenda Item 11. Um, it's a site in Great Dunmo, uh, Newton Grove, Newton Green. Um, it has been identified uh, as having potential for the development of council-owned homes as part of the council's ongoing development. I'd give some background to the um, site. The site is made up of licensed garage area located to the rear of dwellings at Newton Grove. These sites were, were where people pay an annual ground rent and erect their own garage. There is currently only one garage in use on this site. At the Cabinet meeting on the 7th of April, it was reported that this site was no longer to be transferred to safer places for the construction of a domestic violence refuge because Essex County Council priorities have changed with regard to domestic violence services. It was agreed that this site would be developed for the general needs council housing. I don't have had time to look at the attached um, recommendations for the different sites but we're actually looking at preference um, of option number one so it's a pair of semi-detached houses and then a detached to allow full ex access for each resident to be able to get to the rear of the um, property um, due to the fact that it was um, allocated to the domestic violence refuge there was a pre-planning application already made with this site um, we're looking at preliminary construction um, costs of around £456,000, which equates to about £152,000 per dwelling. Um, that does account for a 10% contingency. However, as we understand, this is very early stages. Um, so I would like to recommend to Cabinet that um, A, we authorise the site at Newton Grove to be progressed through the planning application stage and also point B, to note the design options, i.e. option one, um, to um, be the preferred option and taken forward as part of that planning application. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Very clear. Any comments on that, Councillor Light? Yes, thank you, Chair. Uh, I would just like to welcome uh, the fact that uh, we are building more council houses, and I absolutely approve and applaud. As you know, um, this isn't the first. I think we built 40, didn't we, last year? Um, so, 
Yeah, so it's a, it is a very good programme. We, we absolutely agree with you, Councillor Light, on that. Um, so if there aren't any other comments, um, before, just before we go to the vote, um, um, I, I, I know why, it's, and this has nothing to do with the application, I'm sure we're happy to go through that, but I would ask um, through you, Councillor Felton, whether we could just have another dialogue with Essex about the safe refuge home because I'm not an expert in these subjects and I do understand what Essex policy is and therefore why it's, this isn't required um, but when I have tried to articulate this to others um, they, don't, they don't completely understand that and, and, and believe that we, we should have that kind of home in, in, in Uttlesford. So I would, I would just like to revisit that, not to hold up this scheme, because you know, that home could go in other places, but I, I would just like to, for Cabinet to have another, have another look at that, if necessary, in conjunction with Essex. Yes, thank you. I mean, as far as um, I was um, told regarding these sites, that they actually decided that it was better environment to keep these um, vulnerable people within their own locality, especially if they've got children. So the whole idea of transporting them out of their area and their comfort zone um, wasn't actually going to be the preferred option, but to support them in their own areas. As far as I understand, but definitely well. Yeah, and I, I, it's again. not a fair question to you because you you, yeah. you come tonight to, just to talk about this. Uh, this site, but um, I think we're all aware of changing um, practice and whether in hindsight it turns out to be the correct practice, of course, is another point. So, okay, so just going back to the recommendation, which you've read out, thank you very much. It's item four on this, um, on this paper, which is page 59 of hard copy. Uh, those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Item 12, uh, still Councillor Feltham, is a development site at Sheds Lane, Saffron Walden. Thank you, Chair. Uh, again, it's with great delight I present this agenda item. Um, the site has been identified again for having potential for development of council-owned homes. Um, <clears throat> To give you an idea of the sites, they're made up of two separate garage areas um, are located on Sheds Lane in Saffron Walden. The land is currently used as parking courts comprising 50 garages in total, which are constructed with concrete bases, concrete panel walls and a con corrugated asbestos roof. However, many are in poor condition and at the time of starting this process, 12 of the garages were not in use. Um, of the 38 garages in use, 24 were rented by owner-occupiers with 14 rented by council tenants. Garages of this age are generally too small for modern cars and as such the majority of the usage was for storage. Notice to quit has been served on all the tenants and alternative garages have been offered to those who want them. Um, this site has excellent access directly onto Sheds <coughs> Lane. This is quite a unique um, site because it has allowed us to put provision in for a bungalow uh, for a family that we have identified and hope that it meets the support of the, um, the council here. Um, it will be a three-bedroom wheelchair-compliant bungalow um, and it will be totally adapted to the requirements for the long-term needs and care of their child. Um, but it also provides two two-bedroom properties um, uh, as an addition to the council homes for four-person houses on the second site. So to move 
forward, I would like to recommend to Cabinet that they authorise the sites at Sheds Lane to be progressed through the planning application stage and be to note the design options considered by the Housing Board for these sites. Thank you. Thank you again. Uh, any comments? Councillor Light. Thank you. The same comment. I fully applaud the building of more council houses. So uh, thank you. And particularly in this instance that we're able to support a, a, a family, family with special needs. So I think that's, that's, that's very well done for that. Um, and particularly as you've managed to uh, help those who, who were using a garage um, uh, uh, as well. Not many do. I think we understand that now. Um, so those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much, Councillor Feltham, and uh, two, two very good initiatives. Um, item 13, Local Plan Development Strategy. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, this report follows on from a meeting from a workshop held here at Uttersford a couple of weeks ago and the Planning Policy Working Group held a couple of days ago. Um, the outcome of the workshop, which examined five different um, scenarios for the development of housing across Uttersford looked at um, five scenarios I'll briefly outline. One would be to put all new development in new town or new towns. The second would be to put all the development in Great Dumbo and Saffron Walden. The third would be to put all the development in the villages. The fourth would be to put it in a mixture of Great Dumbo and the villages. And the fifth was a hybrid solution was made up of key towns of Great Dumbo and Saffron Walden. Um, Taipei villages, some in the villages, and potentially the start of one or more new settlements. Um, both the workshop and the planning policy working group agreed that the hybrid solution, including a dispersed solution with Great Dumbo, Saffron Walden, key villages, and Taipei villages, as well as the potential for a small new garden development, um, was the preferred way forwards. Um, a recommendation was made to Cabinet, uh, if I'd like to read it out, that the preferred strategy for the local plan is Scenario 5, a hybrid distribution strategy, new settlements, main towns and villages, as attached to the appendix to the report, and that contingency is built into the plan to allocate further homes as necessary. The following conditions are stipulated as part of the adoption of Scenario 5, namely that a five-year land supply is available, the required building rate can be maintained. Infrastructure in existing towns and villages will be enhanced and taken into account in planning developments wherever possible. And garden city principles will be used and application made to government for funding. The planning policy working group further recommended, although not unanimously, that scenario four, which was a combination of development in main towns and villages, will become the fallback position if scenario five cannot be adopted but only in the circumstance that it becomes impossible to proceed with new settlements. Chairman, this item is just for Cabinet to recommend this on to Council at Tuesday, which I think is the appropriate uh, place to have further debate if it's felt that that needed. So I would like to move the recommendations. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, anybody wish to? Councillor Light. Yes, thank you. Uh, there will certainly be some very lively debate. Uh, having participated in the workshop, um, we unanimously agreed there, although informally, that the uh, option five, the hybrid, was, was the best on garden village principles or garden town principles. Uh, I'm actually stunned to see that there is a backtrack, in my view, um, by providing a backup, uh, which surely indicates that there is 
not full commitment from this council to go ahead with a potential hybrid option. Well, um, I, can, I, I will ask that. There, there is no way there is not a commitment on behalf of this council. But if all the new settlement options should prove non-viable, we still have to produce a plan. Well, I'll back that up. We're 100% committed to uh, option five. As you rightly say, it was unanimous at uh, the workshop. It was unanimous um, at uh, Planning Policy Working Group, cross-party. Um, and um, the option that this uh, op option was put forward by the Liberal Democrats, we have no argument with it because, as Councillor Barker says, we have got to produce a plan. But the key word is, the absolute key word is, cannot be adopted only in the circumstances that it becomes impossible it's a very it's a very certain term impossible uh, to proceed with new settlements so yeah i i, I couldn't uh, agree more with councillor barker we, we, it's it's a fallback position that we all hope will never happen but you know it's Strange things have happened even in the last month in politics, so it was a legitimate point to make, but, but, but there are some very key words in there, cannot be adopted and impossible, so it is very strongly worded. I look forward to the debate in council. Thank you. Fine. Any other comments? No? Then, uh, again, I won't reread the recommendation. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much. Item 14, street cleansing, joint working with Saffron Warden Town Council. Uh, Chairman, the Council has been approached by Saffron Warden Town Council to jointly fund an operative to carry out manual cleansing in Saffron Warden to improve the cleanliness of the town. Um, I know that this is an issue in Saffron Warden, particularly with things like cigarette butts and issues, and hopefully somebody with a cart and a stiff broom and whatever can make a difference. Um, the recommendation is that the Council contributes to the cost of Saffron Walden Town Council employing an operative to carry out manual cleansing work for a period of 12 months and purchases a handcart for the operative to use. Uh, we will be looking to review the arrangement after 12 months to assess whether a business improvement district has been established in Saffron Walden and whether businesses through the business improvement district would be prepared to fund the arrangement on an ongoing basis. The cost for 12 months is £9,500 and the cost of a handcart £650. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. Councillor Howell. Um, can I endorse this proposal? Uh, and say that I welcome it. Um, it sometimes seems to me that uh, Saffron Morden uh, sometimes does not look at its best. And there are occasions where sometimes I think other parts of our district don't always look at their best. So this is a very good initiative. I'm really pleased to see us working with Saffron Morden Town Council. I used to sit on the Town Council. And one of the things I find quite frustrating in recent years is there are a view that the town councils or the town council in Saffron Morden and the district council are not do not work well together do not have a, a similar agenda it was something that I sought to avoid as a parish councillor as a town councillor because I always felt that we worked best when we worked together I've always felt that was the case with my parish councils that I now regularly liaise with I'm pleased to see this as an initiative that we can work together with Saffron Walden Town Council. I would very much hope that it is in the character of the relationship going forward 
um, rather than relying on what I read in my local newspaper, which suggests to me that, 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 that they don't always appreciate our help and contributions. I couldn't put it better myself, uh, Councillor Howell. Um, Councillor Light is the only member here from Saffron Walden, but there are, might be others out there listening, and there might well be those who read the minutes. Uh, Councillor Light wants to speak. I'll come to you. But um, for, um, for two particular reasons, uh, I've really endorsed this programme. Um, one is Saffron Walden has not looked as smart as it should do um, over a number of years, um, and uh, we need to improve that. And just as an addendum to that point, um, I have had the privilege of visiting a huge uh, number of places in Essex in the last uh, four months, and uh, many of those take part in things like um, towns in bloom, um, and um, they, they, they look absolutely first class, and they certainly don't have any more money than Saffron Warden does. So, uh, I, you know, there are initiatives that can be taken. So, the the, the we and, and the Town Council might want to think about that. So, so, so my first point was, as you said, uh, to, to smarten the place up. But I, I won't repeat what you said, uh, Councillor Howell. But um, things happen best when they're done in harmony. And we could achieve probably a lot more together. I won't say any more than that. Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. Yes, I absolutely uh, endorse that and agree with that. And in fact, it has been noted by residents. And uh, Why don't you collaborate? Why don't you work better together? So... Um, I'm delighted to welcome this. And all I can say is three words. Goodbye, dog poo. Well, you may not have got rid of it completely, but at least we'll have a bit of a wage, a bit of war on it. Um, and weeds and cigarette butts and general rubbish and, and everything. Okay. Um, those in favour of the recommendation, which has been read out to you, paragraphs 2 and 3 on page 99 of the paper. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Item 15, grants. Um, Councillor Wells is also uh, on holiday this evening, so I'll present this paper. Uh, so, um, as you'll have read in the paper, including the Saffron Warden Pig Market Charity, um, the money that this council gives to good causes is around £675,000, um, which is a considerable sum of money. And on paragraph 19, and this, this is just the monies to the voluntary sector grants of £351,000, uh, that is 4.3% of our spend. And you'll notice from the table that um, that is more or less double um, any other council, well, the councils that we're aware of, to be fair, um, in Essex. Uh, the next best is Braintree at 2.3% but there are some like Malden down at 1%. So um, I think in exactly the same way as we talked about LCTS that uh, this council can be very proud of its track record. So I don't think so. we're not talking about the, the monies tonight but what we are talking about is the process and in paragraph um, seven, uh, you'll see six different grants that we currently have. And uh, nothing need last in perpetuity. I think uh, we understand that. And uh, when I come back to the recommendation, um, it will we, be an ongoing pro program of, of ensuring that we are investing that sort of money in the right places. But I think the principal um, change in, in paragraph 31 is the voluntary support grant, which is to our major um, voluntary groups. Um, and that's where uh, nearly half of our money goes to um, and um, 
I'll read out a key paragraph. There are, it's quite a long piece that I, I won't read because you'll either have the papers or have seen them. But funding will only be considered if applicants can demonstrate how their work will contribute towards the council meeting its corporate objectives. And clearly uh, supporting communities within those corporate objectives, and it's, it's how we do that that is, that is very essential. Um, so uh, the recommendation, colleagues, is that officers are instructed to develop a new grants policy to centralise the various guidance documents that exist, set out how grant funding should be used to support the Council's key corporate aims and objectives, and the criteria and timetable for awarding grants under the different schemes. So um, I think a lot of what is going on at the moment, worthy as it is, is going under the radar, and uh, we need to have a better focus. Probably the governance needs to be sharper. We need to make sure the outcomes meet the objectives um, and that there's a fully transparent process, and that, that is what officers are recommending. Uh, coming back to the voluntary support grants, um, we are now uh, proposing a two-year rolling program so that um, the groups that we choose are always aware two years in advance of uh, what their money is. Um, and um, in the past, we've done it on a three-year basis, but then stopped and, 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 and started again. And I take the point that uh, Councillor Hargreaves, who's no longer uh, here uh, tonight, made, which is that you know we have a group of, um, uh, of voluntary groups and um, things like the Citizens Advice Bureau, Uttlesford Voluntary Travel, um, the Voluntary uh, the Volunteer Service, uh, all of which are very worthy. But who knows, there might be even more worthy causes out there. So we do have to continue to, uh, to look at that. Picking up the point about sport and um, the Community Project Grants. The Community Project Grants is a 50-50 um, grant up to £3,500. There are other initiatives that obviously we don't run. And, and Councillor Barker runs one, the, uh, the, the, the Stansted Fund. There's the Essex Fund as well. So there are other opportunities, but we're, tonight we're talking about the Uttlesford ones. And so uh, communities can apply up to £3,500 uh, there as long as they can match fund. And that typically goes to community infrastructure type projects. Many of them are around play areas or or improving community halls, facilities, and things of that order. We don't uh, give any money to churches, not that we're uh, uh, in any sense um, uh, against those uh, type of bodies or, or, or sports bodies, but they do have their own funding streams, and that's the key point there, that they, there are other ways for, for all of those organisations to apply for funds. Where we do um, help out in our fairly modest way with leisure and cultural grants and sports grants, up to £500, is where there's a... Uh, a budding new group who hasn't got any kit um, or, or you know, needs to buy a cricket bat or something of that order. So sort of you, you know, modest type things rather than major applications. Uh, so hopefully I've answered the two points. Uh, happy to take questions. I've read out the recommendation. Uh, I throw it open to the meeting. Councillor Howell. Uh, thank you, Leader. Um, I confess I wish I'd been able to present this paper because I'm never slow to, uh, to want to speak when it's good news. And I, and I think that what we do here at Attleswood is definitely good news. I think as a council, we have a generosity, as you rightly point out, um, on, on the table that is very favourable compared to those other councils that, that, that we've been able to identify. And it goes back many, many years. It's not something that just this administration has done. It's just been as long as I've been a councillor and before that. And it's been across all of the administrations that have... And, and I think it represents... It's an indication of the character and style 
of Uttlesford as an organisation. And so I very much endorse the fact that we are as generous as we are. I hope that we can continue to be as generous as we are going forward. Um, I've certainly seen the evidence of how community project grants make a real difference in the communities that I represent. I went to the annual meeting of one of my villages a couple of months ago and it was a litany of things that Uttlesford had helped fund. It was really, really impressive, whether it be through the community project grant or through the new homes bonus. Many of the things that they were spending money on in their community was as a result of what we were able to do and, and, and support. So I think the, 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 the community project grants are a, an integral part of how we engage with our communities. I came to a really good presentation earlier in the year for the voluntary support grants and I was really impressed by the 10, 12 organisations that presented to us. I think it's a really good initiative that we are able to indicate and give people the comfort of knowing that they will have a two-year funding programme so they don't have to worry that that funding will disappear. It gives them security and, and confidence to be able to budget. But I am very open to the idea that there may be other organisations in addition to those that we support that we could be equally supporting. So I think this is an excellent paper. Um, I don't think we use the phrase big society anymore, but I, as I understood big society, this is it in its entirety. Thank you. Any other Councillor Light? Thank you. Yes, I just have a concern um, about the uh, organisations, the groups that would not meet the council's objectives, corporate objectives. So how would they be able to get funding if we felt that they were worthy? Well, um, I, I assume you're talking about the um, voluntary support grants because those are the substantive grants that we give. And um, we advertise, um, they bid. Um, and we review the work that they do, um, the impact it will have on the communities, whether they've got funding elsewhere, because as I said, quite a number of bodies have other funding themselves. Um, so it's, so it, it, you know, it is considered on a calculated basis. Yeah, we, clearly, we can't fund everybody, but in actual fact, the last time we did this exercise, I'm going to, I, I, indicated that we're going to do it again in September of this year. Um, I think there was only one organisation that bid that didn't get any money. So there aren't actually a num that many organisations out there who are missing out. If that answers your question. It, it does, it does. Uh, but it would be interesting, it would be good to see actually perhaps to have um, a tally, to keep a tally of those organisations that are not able to get funds and to see what could be done to support them. Um, but I would just like to say something very positive about the new homes bonus because there are uh, many organisations that my fellow councillor Sharon uh, and I have funded in the wards, such as the um, party for the 90-year-olds and the Queen's birthday, uh, Fairycroft House, um, support for sight, amongst other things. So it is very good to have that, some money available. Yeah. And I do hope we manage to continue that. Hmm. Thank you. But I think one of the points of this exercise is, I mean, those are worthy causes and you'll put the money where you want to put them. But, for example, Fairycroft House and support for sight is something that the council does in quite a big way. So that may have enabled you to spend those monies, or I'm sure they're very grateful for your monies, but, but those monies are lesser sums than the council as a whole spend on something else. So I think if we've got transparency, you'll know what, what these organisations are getting. Councillor Barker. 
Thank you, Chairman. I think this is the first time as a councillor, and I've been here a long time, that I've actually seen all these grants in one place at one time. So I think that is the first step in reviewing the criteria and making sure that the grants and the way the criteria work are fit for purpose. So I do welcome this, and I welcome the officer's report when it comes back later in the year. Good. Those in favour? Chairman, if, if I can, just in advance, you've mentioned paragraph 6. There are also a further six recommendations at paragraph 7 which would also need to be. Yes, yes. Thank you for correcting me. Um, so these are recommendations against these specific um, grant schemes. I touched on uh, some of the detail for the voluntary support grants. I do not intend to read them all out because uh, members of Cabinet have got the detail in front of them and everybody's read the detail, but you are quite right. I am looking at recommendations 6 and 7 as laid out on page 103, 104 and the top of 105. Does that cover it? Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you. Item 16, to appoint to an outside body as it happens, Uttlesford Community Travel, a very worthy beneficiary of um, our um, grant scheme, and to appoint Councillor Geoffrey Sell to that body. Those in favour? Thank you. Carried unanimously. Any other items? There are none. Meeting closed, three minutes past nine. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Chairman.